of the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! Thank you for joining us once again for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. As always, I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and this is the podcast that talks comic book-based animation. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to episode 72. I'm going to go over our three rules, and then we're going to hop right into it. Rule number one, comic book animation. Enough said right there. Rule number two, huge fan of the old team-up books, Marvel team-up, DC Comics Presents, Brave and the Bold, Marvel 2-in-1. This is a team-up podcast. Every week, it's me and a special guest talking comic book animation. Rule number three, which is most important, we got to have fun. I'm not even going to hesitate. I'm going to bring out my guest right off the bat. He's my uh, pal. He's my frequent guest, my editor, my creative consultant, my sometimes even guest host. Please welcome back to the multiverse, the one and only Michael Crockett. Hello, Matt. How are you today? I am well. How are you? Back in America. I am. Yes. I took a little hiatus, uh, got out of uh, Dodge, if you will, uh, enjoyed myself south of the border, and I'm back here in the USA, and uh, yeah, it's a shit show up here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh welcome to episode 72 i really appreciate it sir i'm happy to be back and we're doing our continuing series that you don't seem to remember or acknowledge yeah well uh kind of uh for those of you who don't know uh or you might not have caught on whenever michael's on here we uh we talk something from the comic book animated world that appears on a lot of the worst of list. When you look up the worst comic book based animation, we, uh, we tackle something from the list. First time we did uh, Fred and Barney meet the thing, Oof. which was, was, yeah, it was dreadful. <laughs> uh, and last time we did the, uh, the Marvel superheroes from the sixties. We did the captain America cartoon, which calling it a- animation is a, uh, is a compliment to that. <laughs> yes. And in between, we did a, a Christmas episode about the agents of smash, which, I didn't realize at the time, but it's also on many lists for yes. terrible animation. So um, this time, now some of these are on every single list. Like you can't find a worst of list that don't have these on. Some of these are ones that aren't on every list that kind of surprise me. This one surprised me a lot. We're going to be talking the very first X-Men animated pilot, which I was actually really surprised to find was on a couple of worst of lists. Yeah, this is something that I didn't even really know uh, was a thing. Uh, I guess it was, uh, you'll get into it, I'm sure you got all your history and all your research, but this was not the first episode of the very famous X-Men cartoon of the 90s. It's not related to that in any way, right? Uh, it is in a way that some of the people that worked on it ended up working on X-Men the Animated Series, but it really is not directly related to that series oh it's not a pilot for for that series but some people who worked on it did end up working on the animated series okay gotcha now before we get into it we can't talk x-men without talking the exciting news that got dropped this past week 
You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, a little snickety snickety. Oh, yeah, Deadpool <laughs> 3. Hugh Jackman reprising his role as Wolverine. Nobody thought it would happen, but we got a little teaser. Pretty darn exciting, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Reynolds has been teasing it forever. And, you know, you think it was just like a kind of like a, a pipe dream, an inside joke where he'd always talk about, you know, him and Hugh Jackman doing the film together. But it looks like it's going to be a reality. I think it's was it 2024. Yeah, I believe that's what they said. Uh, and uh, like I said on uh, social media, I think this is a. Uh, well, at first, it was one of the rare moments where the internet was uh, in unison in their excitement. Didn't last very long, though. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of positivity. I saw you did a positive post. That's why I, I knew it was positive because Jamie Jamikowski didn't comment on it. So, <laughs> Excellent point. <laughs> All right. Now, before we get into the particular cartoon we're going to talk about, we're going to give a little bit of background on the X-Men. Not a lot because I've done previous episodes on them, so I don't want to rehash too much. The X-Men created back in 1963 by the duo stanley and jack kirby and despite the popularity it has now in many other decades was not quite a smash hit like back then when it seemed like those guys could do no wrong it wasn't unsuccessful but it was nowhere near the level of say spider-man the fantastic four the avengers all their other titles going on at the time yeah, I mean, I know it became in the 80s super, super popular. I know it actually wasn't one of my favorites. I was more of an Avengers guy. You know, I I, I guess she kind of had to be, well, to me anyway, if, if you're looking in the team books, you're either an Avengers guy or an X-Men guy. I was more of an Avengers guy, which I don't know really why I'm on this podcast right now if we're talking X-Men, but let's, <laughs> let's, let's continue anyway. But um, yeah, uh, X-Men, yeah, I, I it became like super popular and around the time this pilot was a uh, green lit it was like the biggest thing in comics now what always amuses me about the x-men is um they've tried to attach all these political and social messaging and all that but when it was created it was literally created out of sheer laziness stan lee couldn't come up with anything so he's just like ah I'll just make them mutants. I'll just say they're born with their powers. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I seem to recall, was it like in uh, in response to like the Teen Titans? Is that correct? Uh, no, it was more uh, the big, th- not confirmed, but the Doom Patrol okay. is, uh, is supposedly, there's been a big controversy for years where the Doom Patrol and the X-Men have been accused of the X- of being like a knockoff of each other or inspired at the same time. Okay, yeah, I learned that by listening to Matt Spector through the multiverse. Yeah, they both had a guy in a wheelchair who was the professor. There was the leader. They were both like, one was like the strangest heroes of all. And, you know, so there's definitely been questionable. Some people say Stan Lee cut wind of the Doom Patrol and went on to create the X-Men. But it just always made me laugh that people always want to say, uh, oh, the X-Men, they're a big uh, metaphor for the civil rights movements and minorities. And they end up kind of becoming that, but when they were created, it was just Stan Lee was like, ah, I can't come up with anything. They're mutants. It's very relatable. You know, just can't come up with shit, so let's kind of <laughs> swipe something for someone else. And um, he originally pitched them being called The Mutants, but his publisher said nobody even knows what a damn mutant is, and that name sucks. So then uh, the X-Men, they trudged along, but in the late 60s, they kind of, uh, they really weren't doing that well sales they ended up doing some they kept the book going for a while but then they up 
doing some uh, reprints. Roy Thomas and Neil Adams had a great run that even that didn't help much. Until 1975, giant size X-Men number one, when they reintroduced the all-new X-Men. They had Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Storm. Uh, they got a surge in popularity that from that just grew and grew and grew where there were points where they, in the early 80s, where they uh, almost were you know, doing better than the flagship comic Spider-Man. Having said that, uh, we're going to go back to September 16th, 1989, X-Men pilot Pride of the X-Men. Now, um, you know as well as I do, Marvel had had success in the 80s with some animation. Um, their studio produced Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, uh, The Incredible Hulk, the Spider-Woman cartoon, I believe, is the first one. Either that or the new Fantastic Four. So they had uh, the ball rolling. They had some success with those uh, cartoons, which you and I are both huge fans of the Hulk and Spider-Man Amazing Friends. Yes. In fact, the second episode of this podcast was us discussing the uh, Incredible Hulk cartoon from 82, I believe. You could tell that someone there, maybe was Stan, because he was heavily involved in Marvel's animation production, but uh, someone really saw potential in the X-Men because they showed up on three episodes of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Yes, they did. I remember that well. Uh, One was just Iceman's origin, where in a flashback, they showed him joining the original X-Men, which is the classic, I don't know if you ever noticed, where the animation, there's a mistake and there's two Cyclops in that scene. No, I have to go back and look at that. Uh, then the Firestar origin, where that led to a team up with the X-Men. And at that point, it was, uh, I believe, Angel, Cyclops, Wolverine, and Storm. And that is the first time Wolverine ever showed up in animated form. Storm 2, for that matter. Good day, mate. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be... <laughs> hold that thought, because we're definitely going to be touching. <laughs> and then they did the X-Men Adventure, which was a story that took place... And the mansion, which had everybody in it, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Storm, Thunderbird, Kitty Pride, Cyclops. Basically, that almost felt like a backdoor pilot for an X-Men cartoon. And it seems like they kind of just moved this group from this last Spider-Man cartoon kind of over to the pilot. Kind of. They made some adjustments, but a lot of that group did end up on the pilot. Now, a couple years goes by, and Marvel Studios is still producing animation, but they haven't done much of the superhero stuff, but they definitely saw potential to do a pilot for the X-Men. Now, at the time, they were doing, uh, it was the Marvel Action Universe. It was around 1988, uh, and they ran things like the RoboCop cartoon, Dino Riders, and they also ran reruns of Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends on that as well. You must have uh, been a big Dino Riders fan. Well, yeah, definitely, because it's guys riding dinosaurs. I mean, who wouldn't be? <laughs> so um, they had wanted to do an X-Men pilot, and this is when Marvel, not quite there, but their financial uh, troubles and a lot of their behind-the-scenes switch started to happen. So they didn't have the money. So what they did cleverly was they took the budget for the 13th episode of the RoboCop cartoon, and instead of producing a RoboCop episode, they made X-Men Pride of the X-Men. I mean, that's the best use of really your money when it comes to the RoboCop cartoon. I don't really recall it, but uh, I think, yeah, probably a good decision. 
Now, uh, I didn't see this when it happened. I ended up about two years later in 1991, I think it was, I was at a comic convention in Boston, Mass, and I bought a bootleg copy of Pride of the X-Men. I actually bought that and a bootleg copy of the Captain America live-action movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> I remember that from uh, Saturday mornings on Channel 56 here in Boston area. Watched those on the weekends, and there's always those those 70s Spider-Man movies and TV shows. That was uh, I spent a lot of uh, Saturday afternoons watching that stuff. Yeah, this X-Men cartoon, though, I had no knowledge of it until you brought it up uh, as a potential uh, topic for this episode. Because uh, for you young youngsters out there... Uh... We didn't have YouTube back then. We had these things called uh, video cassettes where you could record things or go to the video store. And uh, it would be very common to have a guy with a huge table of videotapes of stuff that you couldn't just rent. So that's how I got. That was my first exposure to uh, Pride of the X-Men. And we'll be watching it again. I haven't seen this in quite a while. Have you ever seen this period? No, no. Yeah, I haven't seen it at all. I I did read about it and and saw that it did eventually get like an official. I know you got the... uh, bootleg copy let's um, it did get an official release in the 90s yeah i don't want uh, anyone from marvel to come after you but uh maybe we should edit i'll go back and edit that out uh, if marvel's really that worked up about me buying a bootleg back in 1991 i'll i'll, I'll send them a check okay i'll hold you to that so it was done uh new world productions marvel productions and uh toy animation produced Pride of the X-Men. It's uh, directed by Ray Lee and Stu Rosen. Written by Larry Parr, who went on to work on uh, uh, X-Men, the uh, animated uh, series. Now, even though this didn't lead to a show, something was going on, because if you remember, the 1992 Konami arcade game was solely based on this cartoon. Yeah, I, I saw that too, and I recall the the game, which is a pretty cool game. And yeah, the character designs look very very i mean just basically taken from this pilot they uh which we're going to get into the credit was crazy too but this this between villains and heroes this one pilot introduced 14 characters so like if you weren't familiar with the x-men you get introduced to like multiple heroes and villains all jammed into one episode sounds like an episode of game of thrones <laughs> It certainly <laughs> does. And uh, another thing about this is uh, the Konami arcade game, was so, which, which is just weird because that was a big phenomenon in the 90s uh, where six people could play at once. And they had the toy line that Toy Biz did in that era, even though they didn't have every character from the cartoon get a toy as well. So it wasn't, some people say inspired by, but not directly related. Now, I was surprised to find this on anybody's worst list. I know I haven't seen it in a while, but... Worst of seems like, you know, like really bad. And I think it might come down to a couple of uh, choices that they made from what I understand. Well, everyone seems to be hung up on Wolverine having the Australian accent on this, that everybody who put it on their worst list just couldn't get over them making that mistake with uh, Wolverine. Yeah, this is basically a carryover from Spider-Man is Amazing Friends, where he inexplicably was an Australian uh, guy. Voice director Rick Holberg claims that uh, Australia was in at the time, and that was part of the reason that uh, he was Australian. You know, this was, you know, Crocodile Dundee and uh, Yahoo Serious were all the rage at the time. <laughs> Yahoo Serious. <laughs> Haven't heard that name in uh, 
Wait, what? How many years has it been since 1989? <laughs> Probably a long time. I, I would think so, yes. And uh, some people didn't care for the lineup. I mean, I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, the, uh, that seems to be all the, the, the lineup, his accent, and some people say the story is weak. But I mean, to say something's on the worst of all time, that's just a bold statement to me. And I, I, I think these people are, I think they're, uh, they're incorrect on this one. Well, we have to watch and actually find out. But uh, I think maybe you got something underhanded going on. You're trying to slip this one by me. I, I want to uh, <laughs> review the worst comics of all time, and you're trying to find something that's halfway decent on a technicality. Well, I don't know if I'm trying. It just made the list, so I was like, "All right, well, we're going to talk about it then." I can't. I can't not talk about it. Some quick changes they made. Um, by the time this cartoon aired in 1989, this was not even the lineup of the X-Men. This seems to be based more on the slightly older lineup. Uh, Dazzler was in the group, I believe at this point, but uh, she was never in the group when they did the, when they had the height of their popularity in the early eighties, they aren't the brotherhood of evil mutants. They're the, uh, what is it? The brotherhood of mutant terrorists. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's a buzzword. You don't hear much today. And um, another change was the White Queen is part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which she was never a member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That was never a thing either. Uh, she was more of a leader in her own right, right? Yeah, the Hellfire Club. Yes. And uh, Kitty Pride was not new to the team. That's another thing. I'll, uh, they, they say she's too whiny. That's the, the one of the other complaints of people that put this on their worst list. Okay. Now, this did not lead to success, though. This did not lead to an ongoing series. X-Men, the animated series, didn't happen until three years after this pilot aired. And so it just aired on its own, like as a one-off, and that was it? Yeah, on Marvel, on the Marvel Action Universe, they aired it one week, and uh, that was it. This was also the end of Marvel Studios' animated universe. They They... They decided because of some of the financial issues and the uh, regime changes, they weren't going to do them anymore. They pretty much up and canceled everything except for Muppet Babies they kept producing. Wow, Muppet Babies, huh? And then three years later, we would get X-Men, the animated series. We're going to go over the the lineup. I didn't do all 14 characters because I figured I didn't want a two-hour episode of (laughs) <laughs> of the multiverse so i'm gonna go over the lineup and then the the main villain so we have cyclops who was created by jack lee jack lee jack kirby and stan lee now he's voiced by a michael bell who is no stranger to not only animation but the marvel uh animated universe he voiced bruce banner on the hulk cartoon from 1982 he had done uh duke on gi joe Multiple voices of uh, on Rugrats. He was Zan of the Wonder Twins on the Super Friends. Uh, also a character actor. He appeared. He was in the first episode of Star Trek Next Generation. He even appeared on two episodes of Three's Company, if you can believe it. Oh, wow. Okay, now now you got my attention. <laughs> he played the, the fake, uh, uh, I don't know, what do you call him? Swar- swarmy or uh, uh, he was like a guru or something that was trying to trick Chrissy out of her money. A swami. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I think that's the no, Okay, so it was it was the Good Threes Company with the Ropers and Chrissy. Uh, yeah, I think Chrissy. Yeah, Chrissy definitely, and I think the Ropers were still there at that point. Well, thank goodness, because Norman Fell is uh, a treasure. He certainly was. We miss him. 
Yes, we did. Storm. Storm created by Len Wein and Dave Cockrum. And Andy Chapman did her voice, but I couldn't find any voice credits for her, which I thought was kind of strange. Because hmm, as you say, once you do one voice, you're everywhere. Yeah, she had to have done other voiceover work. I just couldn't find any. It was really weird. Maybe it was just nobody bothered to do a write-up on her. Hmm. Nightcrawler, who's always been my favorite X-Men. He's also created by Len Wein, Dave Cockrum. Neil Ross does his voice, which is weird because uh, Neil Ross did the voice of Cyclops on Spider-Man and his amazing friends. <laughs> really? It's uh, weird that he would now does Nightcrawler. He also, on Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling, was the voice of Mean Gene Okerlund. Oh, my goodness. This time has been allocated for Neil Ross. Kitty Pride, created by Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Uh, Kath Sosi does her voice. She's uh, done a bunch of voice acting. She was Linka on Captain Planet, as well as uh, Lola Bunny. Of course. And uh, we have uh, Wolverine. Created by Roy Thomas, Len Wein, John Romita Sr. Patrick Piney did his voice. This guy <laughs> made me laugh because I found him in multiple cartoons and Disney animated movies, and every time it's listed additional voices. <laughs> so he did this one voice that everyone uh, rejected, and they sent him back down to the minors, basically. <laughs> um, Colossus. Created by Len Wein, Dave Cockrum. Uh, Dave Gilzavan did his voice. Now, he did the voice of, uh, and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. He was the voice of Spider-Man on Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh, jeez. It's, uh, it's, it's old home week. Colossus was always my favorite for some reason I can't really explain. <laughs> uh, Dazzler, created by Tom DeFalco and uh, John Romita Jr. And, uh, and Alexandria Stoddart did her voice. And another one where I could find no voice credits for. And Dazzler is my least favorite for reasons <laughs> I probably could explain. Uh, Dazzler is a weird character. Uh, I think she was just added because they wanted to have another female in the group and they didn't want to do Jean Grey. Or Rogue. Uh, or Rogue. Yeah, that might be as well. Yeah. Weird. Professor X, created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. The late John Stevenson did his voice. Um, his most famous role was he was Mr. Slate on the original Flintstones. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So he was, yeah, I, I can understand why he's the late John Stevenson. Uh, yeah. And I'm only going to do the main villain, Magneto, created by Stanley and Jack Kirby. Earl Bowen does his voice, who you probably would know. Uh, he was in Terminator 1 and 2. He's the psychologist who, uh, he commits Sarah Connor to the mental institution, question Kyle Reese in Predator 1, Predator 1, Terminator 1. He also appeared on an episode of Three's Company as well. Oh, Jesus. And what did he do? He was going to shut down Jack's Bistro because uh, he wasn't, he wasn't going to let him get a liquor license because it used to be a, a pickup joint for prostitutes. Oh, wow. Jack, Jack had to prove that he ran a wholesome restaurant so he could get his liquor license. Uh, so uh, that was a Furley episode, so F this guy. <laughs> now, your uh, former podcast co-host, Brian Malonis, has never seen a Terminator movie. Please tell me the same does not apply to you. I saw Terminator 2 
multiple times, and I don't. I might have seen Terminator One once, and it was after I saw Terminator Two. All right, I'll, I'll I'll let it slide. At least you've seen them both. You'll allow it. Thank you. I will allow it. So we are gonna we're gonna find out for ourselves. Is X Men Pride of the X Men as bad as they claim? We're gonna find out. We're gonna watch it right now. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. When you're looking for action, adventure, excitement, X marks the spot. It's Wolverine, Colossus, Dazzler, Nightcrawler, Storm. It's the most popular team in superhero history. Every month in Marvel Comics. Look for Marvel Comics where X marks the spot. Is Mrs. Roper having an affair? Look out for trouble Friday at 5.30 on Freeze Company. Don't mention this to Stanley, whatever you do. Shh, it's a secret rendezvous. Friday at 5.30 on Freeze Company. We've got the duds on the lead on 11. X-Men, a genetic accident unleashes a new force. Tonight's the city will be ours, Magneto. It's attracted to me already. Lead the attack, juggernaut. X-Men and Evil Mutants, each sold separately from Toy Biz. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. No place to hide. No place to run. No place to run. The mutant tale, the mutant tale has now begun. And we are back. And we just watched X-Men pride of the x-men right off the bat got that theme song incredible yeah 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 yeah. keep the keep you keep your voice down i can still hear it x-men this is they <laughs> i mean everyone is, goes on and on and on about the 90s theme but come on this theme just it. blows it out of the water that line about how magneto towards they uh they burn pillage and plunder but the x-men strike back like thunder i mean come on Storm. <laughs> it's perfect. So much like the other cartoons, we open with Stan Lee doing the narration, which is a great continuity. Yes. Yeah. yeah just like uh, Spider-Man is amazing friends and the incredible Hulk. They're carrying on the tradition here. Short lived though. It is. He does explain the whole mutant phenomenon shortly. So if you're new, you don't hadn't read the comics, you're, you're caught up to date. And uh, there's a uh, desert blockaded from the military they're they're transferring magneto who they have captured and uh this is where he does reference that he's the leader of the brotherhood of mutant terrorists just an awful name i gotta say <laughs> yes they and they lean on the the word terrorist too like stan lee in the narration talks about yeah th- this is how he differentiates from the x-men and the you know the the bad guy group they are the terrorist mutants and you know the x-men are the the good mutants who want to you know change everyone's mind in the world about mutants but uh, yeah they they really lean heavy on the terrorist mutants i'd say we want about the the x-men films 
That's one thing they got right. Magneto just called them the Brotherhood. Like he didn't see himself as evil or a terrorist. He just called it his Brotherhood of Mutants. Yeah, in a cartoon, you really have to kind of amp it up, though, especially for kids. You have to kind of spell it out for them, I think. I got to say that um, Magneto, I thought, was the way he talked. He sounded just like Shredder from the Turtles cartoon. So I thought Uncle Phil did the voice, James, the late, great James Avery. Yeah, I mean, he, and he, he looked tremendous, too. He was just like uh, the character design was fantastic, I think. The, the animation on this, I think, is top notch. I don't know what these clowns are talking about. <laughs> so far yeah it's uh, looking pretty good they look like a bunch of uh idiots so uh the convoy starts sinking into the ground and you find out it's the white queen who says how uh men are so are helpless to the mental powers of the white queen and you have to announce yourself you have to introduce yourself to the uh, people white queen with possibly the most inappropriate costume of any uh character in the history of comic books Pretty much wearing lingerie with a white cape. I saw nothing wrong with it. She frees Magneto, or Magneto, and uh, they're going to go on their merry way. And then we switch to X-Mansion, where uh, a cab driver is dropping uh, Kitty Pride off. But uh, he won't wait for her. This place gives him the creeps. Yeah, Kitty Pride. She sounds like a 12-year-old, but she looks 30. The 80s fashion really doesn't do her any favors at all. She's got the puffy hair. She's got the jacket with the big shoulder pads. And the voice, she sounds very young. And I guess they later reference that she's 14, or she references herself that she's 14. But literally, she looks 30. Yeah, she it's 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 a little a little off. The voice, I think, is fine. But yeah, the, uh, the design needs a little work. She reads out loud a uh, telegraph she got from Professor X that you know to come to the the school i think even mentions her ability is called phasing yes uh phasing we'll hear this more later it's weird when she comes in he doesn't introduce himself he makes a he doesn't come to the door he makes a mental projection of himself to welcome her which i thought was kind of unnecessary (laughs) he's just showing off at this point and that he explains mutants and they're the x-men and she gets very upset that she she is a mutant she is a freak but uh, he explains they are not freaks at all. And then we get our first glimpse of the danger room where you get a pretty uh, neat scene where every individual member does something in the danger room and we get introduced to them where Professor X explains their powers as well. Yeah, so it's a good way to kind of, yeah, it's a kind of backdoor way of just uh, getting the main players out there for all the, uh, the viewing public to see. Kitty is uh, she's a little freaked out by Nightcrawler. As she should be. This guy, <laughs> I'm sure they get into it. But uh, yeah, he's, uh, um, I don't know. He, he He's a little creepy. I mean, she phases into the danger room, which uh, Wolverine grunts, you know, something about kids. <laughs> yeah, this Wolverine, for some reason, like, every, like almost every time he starts talking, he starts with like a... It's... <laughs> Not only does he have an, an Aussie accent, he's he he's got this like this little creepy growl that he talks with. Yeah, and uh Colossus couldn't talk more stereotypical eighties Russian if you tried. Yeah, I was gonna I was looking back and seeing if Dolph Lundgren did the voice, but uh it turns out no, it was that other guy that you mentioned. 
which for some stupid reason, he's constantly referring to himself in the third person. Well, you know, it's because uh, he's a, a guy from uh, another land. They don't understand how to speak, apparently. <laughs> That's the 80s for you. He's like, Colossus like little one. <laughs> he's like Elmo, except a lot taller and shinier. Wolverine doesn't want her around. She's just a kid. They're going to answer an alarm they get. So they're going to get into the jets. Wolverine constantly, uh, we're going to get into it, but ongoing theme really has got a problem with, I don't know if it's children in general or just Kitty Pride. Uh, probably kids in general, but Nightcrawler, very open to children. <laughs> I mean, you kind of uh, glossed over it, but Kitty phases through the computer because Nightcrawler kind of sashays over to her and she like backs away from him because he's he's got the the german accent and he's like hey me how you doing i can't do the accent but he he just kind (laughs) of he kind of is like going for some unwanted uh advances and kitty's just kind of like get away from me freak so yeah, I'd I'd rather have Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine is more uh, <laughs> more of my speed. Just kids, get the hell out of here. Let's go with Wolverine's take. And of course, so you know, Nightcrawler is German, despite speaking fluent English. Must call everybody Furline. Yes, yes, there's plenty of that in this episode. But when they leave, you find out it was just a trick. Magneto and Juggernaut. They lured the X-Men away so they could attack the mansion. Yes, their uh, sinister plot is coming to uh, <laughs> coming to fruition. I see uh, on my screen here, I, I was typing fast in my notes, and uh, Juggernaut uh, autocorrected to Juggernaughty, um, which <laughs> is... <laughs> that's, that's the uh, the adult movie version of Juggernaut. They do actually reference that he's Professor X's uh, stepbrother. I wasn't sure if they were going to bring that up. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that. So that was uh, interesting to hear. And, and like, uh, they're watching them like over like the security cameras or whatever. Coming, Kitty Pride and Professor X, the only one left behind after the others went uh, on their you know wild goose chase. So they see Juggernaut and uh, Magneto coming towards them through the security cameras or whatnot, and. <laughs> And Kitty Pride backs away like it's like she's watching Jaws 3D. It's coming like they're, they're coming right towards her. They're just on the screen, and she kind of backs and phases through another computer. Yep, she scrambles uh, the defenses. Yes. So so they get in, and we find out Magneto wants Cerebro's mutant power circuit, very aptly named. <laughs> Professor X gives the Kitty to try and protect where she's running and phasing. Magneto at first he tries to. Uh, Get her to join, but she will not do that. Wait, can I, I stop you for one second? No, no, go for it. First of all, the mutant power circuit looks like the Death Star with an antenna on top. <laughs> but it's like the size of a basketball. And it is large. Yeah. The first, I mean, I know everyone else took off, but is it really the best idea to give the this thing that's going to give magneto unabashed power to like an untrained girl who just walked in off the street uh, it's <laughs> i don't know about that i mean maybe it's it's yeah because because he obviously can't get around as uh, well as she can but but i mean saying that she runs through through a wall phases through a wall magneto blasts that same wall and walking she, she's running right she runs through the wall 
and Magneto blasts through the wall and walks and suddenly is just two steps behind her. And he uh, he uses like these cables with his powers to trap her, gets the uh, cerebro, the cerebro mutant circuit mm-hmm. and laughs. <laughs> An all time he'll laugh right there. So then we switch to the jet that's gone to a deep space probe where Pyro and the Blob have uh, some people um, captive. I didn't go over it, but Alan Oppenheimer does the voice of the Blob, and uh, he was most famous for being uh, Skeletor in He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Yes, I think you just uh, mentioned that. Yeah, you mentioned that on the last uh, Melodis episode. And um, he also speaks in the third person. He says, nothing on earth can move the blob. <laughs> yes, everyone's going to announce themselves. It's a theme for the show. And um, Colossus gets him in a bear hug, and indeed he's correct. Colossus cannot move him. Wolverine says that uh, if he can get his claws on Pyro, he's going to be talking out the other side. The other side of what? <laughs> he doesn't say. He just says the other side. I think you're supposed to... Make a, you know, you're supposed to put the pieces together on that one. Okay, I didn't, so. And uh, for some reason, Lockheed the Dragon is just there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, your, there's your animal sidekick, Matt. You're always talking about your favorite trope with uh, <laughs> superhero animation is the animal sidekick, and there it is for you. I mean, at least Lockheed is from the comic book. They just didn't add it, but he's just there, and it... It's bizarre. He's just there to literally be kicked numerous times <laughs> by Magneto. <laughs> and um, the humans that they rescue, they're not very grateful. I think they say some line about get, get away from uh, my daughter, you freak. No, no, no. Well, the reason, Matt, is because it's Nightcrawler that approaches the young girl <laughs> and creeps him out. So the dad is calls him a filthy mutant, and that's that. You would think that... um. You know, they would have like Dazzler or Cyclops be like the uh, the spokesperson, you know, to help with these uh, human mutant relations. Nightcrawler just can't help himself. So uh, we go to Asteroid M, which is the secret headquarters of the uh, Brotherhood of Mutant Terrorists. Toad is there. He's voiced by the legend Frank Welker. That's um Fred. Is that from Scooby-Doo? Fred. He was also Iceman on Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Oh, there you go. He, uh, he attaches the mutant, Cerebro mutant power source, and uh, he asks if he did good, Master, and Magneto says, yeah, you were useful. Now uh, go play in an airlock. <laughs> I don't know why he's being so mean to poor Toad. By the way, I've always hated that. This is not for nothing. I've always hated that character. I always thought he was the most stupid, useless X-Men-related character of all time is Toad. Well, then he was treated as he should be treated, right? <laughs> I guess. There's still no excuse for rudeness. <laughs> I'll go with you there, buddy. And um, we go back to the mansion to find out what's going on. Kitty Pride, of course, is still, uh, when she wakes up, she's still terrified of Nightcrawler. Oh, of course. <laughs> this led to the best transaction of the episode where, uh, and I wish I could do the voice, but I can't. But Kitty uh, says, oh, it wasn't a dream. Then it was all real. Wolverine says, of course it's real. Get with it. X-Men don't have room for whiny brats. <laughs> See, I'm going to take Wolverine over Nightcrawler every time. <laughs> Why is this guy such a dick? 
<laughs> Come on. Kitty Pride is she put the um the mutant power whatever circuit in the hands of the uh Brotherhood of Evil Bastards. They discover that Magneto's bizarre plan is he gonna use this to direct a comet towards Earth that'll pretty much wipe out all life on earth which is a little bizarrely out of character for magneto i gotta say yeah it it kind of the result of what would happen with this comet hitting the planet kind of shifted a little bit like at first they said it would like obscure the moon and sun for for ages yeah and that would effectively wipe out the planet and then later i think magneto just says that it would like destroy the earth which you know would wipe out humanity. Which and Magneto was a little bit more evil at some points of his career, but I don't remember him ever really just wanting to wipe out. He wanted to have mutant superiority or rule the humans, but I don't remember him ever really wanting to kill all of humanity. No, he was just he wanted them to all be kind of subservient to him. He wanted to keep them around so they could all just uh, do his bidding, basically. And they're like, we have to stop him, which. Immediately, without a second hesitation, Wolverine declares, the kid's staying here. She'll only get in the way. (laughs) That's good. She's a liability. (laughs) Before anyone even suggested she goes, Wolverine has put his foot down. This little brat is not going. I like it. To her credit, Storm sticks up for a little bit and says that Wolverine's being a bit uh, harsh. But Professor X agrees that it is too dangerous for Kitty Pride to be a going on this missing and speaking of professor x there's a big controversy in this episode that i'm not sure that you noticed um as they were picking the professor x up off the floor they put him on the table do you remember that part i do where cyclops for some reason had to blast the debris off the table (laughs) yes yes he's just showing off for kitty pride but uh, they put him on the table and as professor x sits up his leg moves I didn't notice that. Yeah, if you go back and watch it, he goes and sits up and, and, and like you know, he bends his knee as he's as he's sitting up. So it's uh people are wondering, is he pulling the wool over people's eyes? What's going on there? Or just the animators just don't know what the hell they're doing? I'd probably go with the latter on that. I would probably it's probably it was very common for mistakes like things like that to happen. Yeah. They go to leave. Kitty kind of has a little monologue where you can if you're smart, you can tell she's going to be, she's not going to be left behind. She's going to stow away on the jet. And of course, the last person to say anything to Kitty as the X-Men are leaving is Nightcrawler, who says, until later, my child, which just uh, made my skin crawl. Skin, his name should be Skin Crawler, basically, not Nightcrawler. So um, they get out there. They're not going to land the jet like in a hangar they have to get on spacesuits so they can go to the asteroid from the ship once they do that professor x tells kitty she can come out he senses that she's stowed away so she gets a suit as well now i don't know if you know this bizarre scene where somehow cyclops shot his laser beams through the spacesuit yes i have this noted yes he puts a big hole in the space station with you know, blasting from his eyes that wouldn't shatter the visor of his helmet and expose him to space, killing him. No? Yeah. I'm okay. Not, yeah. How does that work exactly? <laughs> I don't know. Slight oversight on the part of the animators. They get in there. They get into the asteroid. Um, 
one by one, they kind of end up squaring off with different members of the uh, Brotherhood. Wolverine refers to Toad as a dingo. So <laughs> you can't even go, you can't even fall back on they made a mistake with the accent. He it clearly is an implication he's supposed to be Australian. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. <laughs> what? The dingo ate your baby. <laughs> Now it's weird because if this happened now, I don't I don't know if people would care or not. You know, like sometimes when they do these changes to characters' ethnicity, some people lose their minds, other people don't care. So I personally care. I think it's stupid, but uh, who the hell knows? Wait, you're saying that you don't know if people would care in this age of Twitter? Yeah, they, <laughs> a big portion of them would probably lose their mind, and the other half would find some weird way to defend the mcu's creative choices that's yeah that's probably on the money now you talked about all the all these uh you know guys facing off with the uh the villains pyro who has fire faces off with dazzler who has yeah. these like sound softballs that she's throwing pyro has fire and he's being held <laughs> off by these little like balls of energy that she's throwing at him she can convert sound sound into energy yuck i would think storm would be the one who could like make a rainstorm or something yeah and by the way dazzler what is with the outfit she got like a captain marvel thing going on with the blue and the the insignia on the chest that was the updated costume she got later in the 80s when she actually became a member of the x-men Okay, I mean, it just looks very similar to Captain Marvel. I believe Pyro, if I'm not mistaken, is actually Australian, the character. So that's also makes things a little weirder. Yes, he he does say good day as uh, he's approached by the X-Men. Nightcrawler finally makes it by himself because everybody else is fighting evil mutants to where Magneto is with Cerebro's mutant power source. And he tells him that... uh. It's only three minutes left before all of humanity is wiped out by this comment. Three-minute warning. Yeah. <laughs> Kitty shows up, grabs Magneto's arm. Uh, they're kind of having a little bit of a struggle. And then uh, Lockheed bites his ankle, which causes him to shoot upwards. Now, I thought this was a little weird because it doesn't seem like he was using magnetism there. It seemed like he was shooting like a laser beam out of his hand. Yeah, um, sometimes the uh, powers get a little muddy, and as you've said before, they they suit whatever the situation calls for. Part of the connection is busted, so they, there'd be no way to stop the comet, but Nightcrawler can hold it together, and his body is used as like an electric conductor to keep the power going so they can, Professor X can use it to divert the comet to hit Asteroid M and not Earth. The catch... Nightcrawler cannot let it go, so he will die holding that together. But Professor X tells him that if he can time it perfectly, teleport precisely when the comet hits, he'll live. You think that's going to work? I don't know. I'm, I'm touch a go with uh, Nightcrawler at this point. Kitty doesn't want to leave him behind because, you know, she feels bad now because she was so mean to him. Uh, why? She feels bad after she rightfully rejected his sleazy advances? <laughs> I think you're a bit harsh with Nightcrawler. You know? he's, just, <laughs> he's, just a, he's, just a, he's a friendly guy. 
Come on. He approaches her and she backed through a, a computer rather than uh, stick around and see what he was going for. And then he's approaching little. Uh, I just I don't even want to get into it. But uh, yeah, I'm not feeling Nightcrawler in this show. Um, he does manage to teleport out, but he's falling into the Earth's atmosphere. He's going to burn up. They try and catch him with the, the grappling beam, but he vanishes. There's a real sad moment where everyone thinks Nightcrawler is dead. And I thought for a split second that that was going to be the case. Even Kitty is upset because she was so mean to him and she can never apologize. Oh, Kitty, she's very young and naive. She doesn't understand what gaslighting is. But uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> what? But anyway, we find out that, yeah, Nightcrawler, they, they can't kill off somebody in a children cartoon, apparently. He didn't make it. He teleported into one of the lockers. Kitty and him make up. They're all friends again. Everybody's happy. Storm even asked Wolverine about it. Wolverine, of course, says, ah, the kid got lucky. Don't mean she had an X-Men. And then he says, yet. Mm. <laughs> so she even uh, warmed uh, Wolverine's ice cold heart a little bit. Yeah, it's slightly defrosted at this point. And then Stanley talks us off about how they've saved the day, but there's going to be other adventures for the x-men you get a great shot of the x-men kind of posing with professor x in the background and there you have the x-men the first ever x-men cartoon x-men pride of the x-men i'm not getting into my official review but i gotta say uh especially compared to the ones we've already reviewed this does not belong in anybody's worst of list like I said, I think it is just the uh, a few of the choices that they made that put it there. It was, I mean, it's not without its problems, but worst. Come on, yeah, th- I think there's a lot. I'm sure it was very far down on the list. Like uh, out of twenty, it was probably nineteen or twenty. A lot of people, I'm sure, just feel very strongly about uh, Crocodile Wolverine. I'd put it up against Fred and Barney Meet the Thing any day. yeah if only fred and barney would have actually met the thing well we can talk about the we'll give our official ranking and then we'll we'll discuss the things we think are uh that it needed improvement and the stuff it doesn't get enough credit for we're gonna go over to our spectrometer anyone new to the show spectrometer we rank what we just saw four spectros being perfection Zero spectros being garbage. Michael, what are you going to give? Pride of the X-Men. Who? Well, I really wish that I had the X-Men 90s cartoon in mind to kind of compare and contrast. But in fact, I don't. I never really watched the show. I was uh, an older gentleman by that point. Well, not a gentleman, but I was just, I was out of it at that point and and never really watched the X-Men cartoon. So I don't really have that to compare and contrast with, but on its own, this uh, X-Men pride of the X-Men pilot, like you said, the animation is good. Like we both said, the theme song is fantastic. Uh, I will put it up against the much uh, vaunted uh, X-Men theme of the nineties show any day of the week. I mean, there's no lyrics on that. (laughs) there's no lyrics i mean you need lyrics and it's absolutely tremendous the x-men theme of this pilot is the best it's the best for that alone that's a a spectro in in and of itself that gets one spectro we'll give another spectro for the animation 
And let's give uh, a Spectro for Colossus. He was pretty uh, true to form. Looked uh, like the outfit straight from the 80s uh, comic books. Um, so that's what? That's three Spectros. And <laughs> uh, we'll take off a quarter Spectro for Dazzler. We'll take off a quarter Spectro for Aussie Wolverine and a quarter Spectro for uh, Nightcrawler Pedophile. So it'll be, what is that, two and a quarter stars? <laughs> two and a quarter Spectros. I-, I couldn't keep up with all that math. <laughs> Yeah, let's go two and a quarter. All right. It's a little Steiner math there for you. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm also going to go two and a half. Animation is top notch. I think the animation was really good. They got almost all the character designs perfect. I like the lineup they chose to do. Theme song is stupendous. Amazing. Like, I was singing it all day. And I'll probably be singing it for the rest of the week. X-Men. <laughs> um, now it's not without problems. Obviously, Wolverine's terrible Australian bit. And another flaw they have is they just introduce so many characters that hardly anyone gets to get spotlighted or do much other than Kitty Pride and like Nightcrawler. No one really gets to do a lot on the whole episode. Magneto is like the only villain who gets more than like one word of dialogue. The plot is very generic supervillain cartoon so flawless no but worst of get the hell out of here anybody who puts it on the worst of hasn't seen enough comic book based animation if you put this on your worst list i think you uh, i mean at this point you have to come up with your own list you should put on a list because you've uh, you've got you know 72 episodes behind you of <laughs> uh, of viewing all this stuff so i think if you put on a list that it have some uh, weight to it well, like the previous ones I would put on there, uh, Fred and Barney Meet the Thing, <laughs> the Captain America cartoon from the 60s. If I could find it, that 70s Fantastic Four cartoon, I'm sure, is going to make the list. I haven't seen it in years, and it's very hard to find. Oh, come on. Herbie is uh, Herbie's a treasure. <laughs> Avengers United We Stand, pretty terrible. But what did you think out there? Did you like Pride of the X-Men? You might have liked it more than Mike and me. You might have you might have thought it was one of the worst. I don't know. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. Go to my uh, social media and let me know. I'm Matt Spectro on Twitter. Follow me while you're there. Or go to my Facebook page, Matt Spectro through the multiverse, and let us know what you thought. If you liked it better, if you thought we were too kind or not harsh enough, that's okay. But I, I really stand by that this does not deserve to be on anybody's worst of list. Yeah, there's a number of things that could go before this, but uh, as we said, we've been searching and searching for that that uh, Fantastic Four cartoon, and uh, in the meantime, we've just kind of found this X-Men thing, and I hadn't seen it or even heard of it, so it sounded a little enticing to me, so that's what we went with, but uh, we'll find something uh, much more dreadful next time. (laughs) And if a child in 2022 comes across Pride of the X-Men, what do you think? They're gonna enjoy it. I mean, I guess so. Uh, I mean, I'm like, a, what? How old would the the kid be? I mean, if they're X Men fans, if they'd seen the movies, which are 15 years old at this point, um, I maybe. How's that for a definitive answer? <laughs> I think they would just because of the the Tomy anim- animation. I think is really solid. I think it would it would keep their attention. 
maybe an older kid, not so much because they've, they've been sub- submitted to so many different X-Men cartoons, but I'm going to say yes. Okay, let's go with yes then. All right. And as always, you go to my social media and let us uh, know what you think. Michael, I want to thank you for joining us. Normally, I'd say uh, free plug time, but I don't know if you have anything to plug at this uh, at this stage of your life. <laughs> I mean, what are you saying? Life is over? Is that what you're saying? I just, I just don't know. Uh, you, you've only been back in America for a short period, so I don't know what you got going on. Well, I mean, I edit podcasts, right? All right well, there you go. Plug that right now. Well, uh, now that I'm a homeowner... I need uh, I need money to make repairs in this place. So, uh, how about you uh, start a podcast? I mean, it's, it's easy. Ask Matt. He just uh, turns on a microphone and guests show up, and he t- talks to them about comics, and it's easy. Uh, and I do all the editing for him. So, if you like this show, if you like uh, talking, start a podcast and uh, contact me. Go to crackpotpods.com, and uh, you can get my editing services and uh i also i'll give you some uh great advice as uh tarzan matt mentioned earlier and uh you know we'll get you started we'll get you cooking in the uh, podcasting world so crackpotpods.com is if you want some editing services or just general podcasting uh advice and uh guidance let me know crackpotpods.com all right and some exciting news uh coming up in november i'm uh, on vacation I believe Michael, you're going to be guest hosting for me. That's what you say. That's what uh, that's what I've apparently agreed to. Um, as long as uh, Jamie Jamikowski is not doing it as well, then uh, otherwise, then yeah, you know, we'll have to find someone else. The sky's the limit. You can talk about anything you want. Uh, I will put no restrictions on you since uh, you're going to be uh, giving people something a little different that episode. Well, I'm going to I'm going to go buy the book. I'm going to follow the uh, Matt Spector through the multiverse template. Is all guests so should and i want to thank everyone for joining us and uh some exciting news starting next week we'll begin that spectrum in the multiverse month-long halloween celebration that's right folks starting next week we're going to be doing a month of halloween related episodes one of probably my favorite time of the year so that's going to be some exciting stuff and if you have any suggestions or anything feel free to let me know as well you're excited for halloween aren't you mike Always, always, always. All right. But until then, that's going to about do it for this week. Thank Michael for being with us. Thanks for joining us. And we'll catch you next time in another episode of Met Spectrum Through the Multiverse. Excelsior.